Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. All right, thank you. I should have just stayed up here at the side. Awesome. Well, it's great to be with you, church family. Happy Thanksgiving week. It's, it's nice to see all the families and visitors who are here today with their families for, for the amazing week. Oh, yeah, Holy Spirit, thank you for today. I love Thanksgiving because it's a moment for us to reflect on our gratitude and all that we are thankful for. So I pray that our hearts this week would be postured in gratitude. Really that our hearts are postured in gratitude and thanksgiving every day of the year, 365 days, but especially, you know, this week coming up. Uh, Today I'm starting off a new sermon series called Legacy, The Generous Life. This is our third year doing a legacy series, and I love this time of year because this is an opportunity for us to learn and grow and hear God's heart and how we steward the life that he's given us, how we realize that we don't live this life just for ourselves. It's We're part of such a bigger story, and we are part of an incredible rich inheritance that Jesus has given us, and that we leave and we lead and live a life that leaves a legacy for the generations to come. Amen? And so we're going to be diving into this over the next um, three weeks, all about how do we steward what God has given us, how do we walk in his ways, and how do we be a blessing to the world around us. So I want you guys to also mark your calendars for December the 3rd, the Sunday. We are doing a mission Sunday where we're going to be hearing um, about what God is doing across this across the world, across this nation, and locally here. And we are going to be doing a end of year give on December 3rd um, that will be open from December 3rd through the end of the year. But I want us to be prayerfully considering how we partner um, with what God is doing across this, this world. All right, so I wanted to, to let you know ahead of time so that you could mark your calendars and be preparing for that in prayer. Maybe you need to speak to your, your spouse about it as well, but uh, yeah, let's get started with the word this morning. Turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 16. All right, this is Jesus speaking here. It says, he also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that the man was wasting his possessions. Say it with me, bad stewardship. (laughs) And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be a manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I am not strong enough to dig. I am ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do. So that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. May it not be here. I catch the fire. (laughs) 
Verse 9, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, you may receive, or they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Have you guys ever heard someone say, I would tithe, but I don't have very much? Right? Well, Jesus says, no, that's not true. (laughs) Right here in this verse. But it says in verse 11, if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, say this, good stewardship, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either will he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So today we're going to be talking about the topic of stewardship as a lifestyle. And this, the title of my message is, So Grow Overflow. So Grow Overflow. But it's stewardship, the joy of stewardship living. We are called to be faithful stewards. Say with me, that's me. We are called to be faithful stewards. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2, this is how one should regard us. That means this is how we are to be seen as born-again believers, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of, of stewards that they be found faithful. It is required of us Say again, I am a steward to be faithful stewards. This is who we're called to be. We are called to be faithful stewards with what God has entrusted to us. So the definition of a steward is a guardian that protects the interest of another. So in this case, Jesus, to understand and recognize what stewardship is for us and what it means, we have to have a revelation that stewardship means... Well, actually, we have to have a revelation that nothing is ours. Nothing is ours, okay? Everything that we have has been given to us by God. Everything. Our house, our children, our family, this world, everything has been given to us by God. Me as the created thing has nothing, and God as the creator has everything, Okay, this is the first step in understanding the revelation of stewardship and what it means to be a faithful steward is the acknowledgement from us that we have nothing. Okay, let that settle in for a second. (laughs) Everything that has come to me has been given to me by God. There's nothing physically tangible or intangible that has not come from the goodness of Christ Jesus to us. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Genesis 1.28 says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. From the very start of Genesis, okay, the very beginning of man's existence, God creates this beautiful earth and this beautiful world, and he entrusts it to Adam and Eve in the garden, right there in Genesis 1. He blesses them. He says, you will, you will be fruitful, you will multiply, and you will have dominion over everything that I have given you. 
So here they are in the garden. They have this divine mandate and responsibility from God to steward the garden that they are in. Adam is asked to steward the the garden itself, tend to the garden. If you ever have done gardening, you know it's a lot of work, right? You have to cut back all the the weeds and the vines and trim and, uh, I don't even know the word right now, it's falling, prune the trees, everything. You have to tend the garden. He also gave him responsibility over the animals, over taking care of them, over the plants. They were caretakers of this beautiful paradise that God entrusted to them. I picture like Eden as this beautiful oasis. You know, in those movies where they're in the desert and they like pull back this tree and then all of a sudden in like the animated movies, it looks like the most pristine thing you've ever seen out of like Fiji or Hawaii or something. That's how I picture the Garden of Eden. (laughs) But it's this beautiful paradise that God has entrusted to Adam to take care of and to Eve. And in Genesis 2, 19 through 20, God asks Adam, or God brings all the animals to Adam and asks him to name them. And in ancient cultures, naming something or someone indicated authority and responsibility. So God right here is showing us, I am entrusting these, this human, these humans that I have created, I am trusting them with this world that I have just created. And this is the beginning of the foundation of, of stewardship. It's not just a, stewardship is not just a duty. I don't believe that Adam was sat in the Garden of Eden feeling like this is a duty for me to take care of this beautiful paradise. It's a partnership with God, a relationship with God, stewarding, managing everything that God has given to us. We see stewardship then all throughout the Bible, from Adam and Eve to then we see Abraham in, uh, in Genesis 12, verse 2. Abraham is blessed by God, and he's blessed to be a blessing. So God blesses him so that he will bless the nations. We pr- I pray that over my kids, the ones that I take to school every day. I always, we always end their declaration with, and uh, you're blessed to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. The reason why we are stewarding something is not for ourselves. We're not stewarding what God has given us so that we can have a prosperous life, so that we can have a a successful little bubble life. No, God is saying, I am blessing you with everything that I have. I'm entrusting you so that you can then bless the world, so that you can bless others. Then it carries on through the Old Testament. We see Joseph and the story of um, him stewarding the, the resources of the land of Egypt so that he can bless the nations who were walking through famine and drought in that moment. And then the prophets, Isaiah and Amos, they are often holding people account for their failure in stewardship. They're neglecting the poor. They are, um, they are, they're walking in injustice and oppression, and he's re- they're reminding people about stewardship and worship and calling people back to what God has entrusted to us. And Jesus, of course, uses beautiful parables and teachings to, to teach us about how we ought to live, how we ought to steward things. In Matthew 25, the, the parable of the talents, and then in Luke 12, the parable of the rich fool, Jesus is showing us that 
um, he, sh- he shifts our perspective that there's an eternal perspective to stewardship. That we're not just stewarding what he's given to us here on this earth, but it's for something greater. It's for the, the next life. It's for eternity. What we do here matters. Turn to someone and say that. What I do here matters. And that's why we, that's why our sermon series is called Legacy because it's so much more than just us. It's so much more than what I do matters for my life. No, it's what I do matters for my children, for my children's children, for the people that I am in relationship with. It matters far beyond me. And Jesus shifts our perspective and he says, invest in heavenly treasures. Don't put all your money and or all your time and all your efforts into investing in things that are temporal, that won't matter, that are fleeting, but invest in heavenly treasures. Invest in people. Invest your time. The New Testament writes all about generosity and compassion as essential components of stewardship. We see the early church in the book of Acts. They bring their resources together so that they could steward the needs of the community and the body. And we see, we've, we've studied the book of Acts a couple times over the last year, but how there was no need among them. There's no need among the people because they would steward the resources and they would bless the people in the community. But the Apostle Paul, he takes it even further. It's not just material possessions and stewarding those, but it's also stewarding your talents, stewarding your spiritual gifts, stewarding your time. And it's all for the edification and the building up of the church and the body. The reason why we steward the gifts that God has given us and the talents is because we are meant to build up the body. We're meant to edify the body of Christ. So if you have a gift here in this place, you are meant to use it to build and edify this body. You're meant to use it to build and edify your business and the people that God has entrusted to you to steward in your business. So we are to grow. We have to grow in our understanding of stewardship. If God has entrusted everything to us, it is required of me to be a faithful steward of that. There's two options here when it comes to stewardship, as we can see in that, in that scripture. You can either be a good steward or you can be a bad steward. You can be a faithful steward. You can be an unfaithful steward. Who wants to be found good and faithful? Because <laughs> I know I do. I want to get to heaven one day and God looks at me and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful daughter. I love what Aaron says. He doesn't say, well done, my good and influential servant. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. So as a steward, we have to be careful to guard and protect, but also increase what has been given to us. Okay? If you're thinking, I'm going to be a good steward, so I'm going to save everything that God has given me. No. We see that that doesn't go well in the story of the talents. It doesn't do good to just take, take what God has given you and save it and hide it and protect it because you don't want anything to happen to it. <laughs> but it, end, it ends up being taken from him, right? We see in the story. Faithful stewardship is not just protecting what God has given you, but it is increasing and multiplying what he has given you. We need a mindset shift to say, I want to increase and multiply everything that God has given to me. And I think often we, 
we want to hold on to things, and I'm talking not just monetarily, but even like even our gifts and our talents. Like we want to protect that. We want to have boundaries with our time. I'm all for that. I'm a huge proponent of have boundaries for your time. But sometimes in the kingdom, it requires a ouch, this kind of hurts. <laughs> I'm going to give it anyways. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's that sacrifice. Otherwise, it's not really a sacrifice of, it, of us. But we have to grow in the biblical understanding of what stewardship is. We, yes, we have to guard what has been given to us, but we also have a responsibility to increase it. That goes back to the, when God says to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. He's saying increase. It's not just for you and Eve to enjoy this paradise. There's so much more. There's bigger plans for us here. Be fruitful and increase. And it's the same with what God has entrusted to you. Don't just protect it. Don't just guard it. But tell yourself, I have a responsibility to increase what God has given to me. We're stewards of our time, our strength, our talents, our abilities, and our finances. Being a good steward of our money is actually an act of worship. And I'm going to go that deep because it is actually worship to God when we steward our finances well with him. We recognize that God is the owner of everything and all that we do, including our finances, how we spend our money, how we save our money, how we invest our money. And all of it is for his interests. All of it is for his plan, his will. And we have to live in submission to that. And that submission and that obedience to him, that surrender is worship to him. Ultimately, God's glory should be at the forefront of our mind when we think about our finances. You know, I felt as I was preparing this week, there was a level of me that felt a sort of uncomfortability, if I'm honest, (laughs) because no one wants to stand up here and talk about money and finances. But I truly believe that stewardship begins with our giving. Stewardship is giving. And the reason it's giving is because, well, I'm going to get there. I'm skipping ahead majorly. <laughs> but it's, it's us walking in the ways of God. It's us walking in his ways. And we'll go, we'll go deeper in that in a moment. But I want you to think this about this for a second. Before you spend your money, have you ever thought, <laughs> God, I am stewarding the gifts you've given me, is this the appropriate place I am to spend my money? (laughs) When we're online shopping and it's like 11 p.m. and you're just like, you blacked out, you like hit cart, you hit place order and you blacked out and you're like, oh my gosh. And then the packages come in and you're hiding them from your spouse. (laughs) Did I actually, like, I'm not kidding. I think when I was in college, I had a bit of a shopping addiction because I would get a notification that my package was ready for pickup at the like student drop-in place. And I'd be like, I would get this like high. Like I would be like, oh my gosh, it's here. Like you're tracking it. And then I was like, hey, it's a problem. I need to stop shopping online. No one could relate to this. Okay. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, But how am I stewarding my finances thinking all of this is for God's glory? Am I keeping that in mind and at the forefront of my mind? (laughs) 
I want us to challenge ourselves to think about that the next time. Be like, do I actually need this? Or could this money be spent elsewhere? The the amount of people that say, I can't afford to give or I can't afford to tithe, but I know that they can't give up that $5 drink at Starbucks. You know? That's what I'm talking about. Where's our priority in what we are, in how we are stewarding what God has given us? Where is the priority? So do you guys know, like, we call it in Canada craft dinner, but it's like mac and cheese. It's owned by Kraft. You know the little noodles or whatever? The powdered fake processed cheese in there. Okay, so the owner of Kraft, okay, his name was J.L. Kraft. He was a believer, and he actually gave 25% of his wealth to the church. And this is a quote that he says. He says, the only investment that I have ever made that has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money that I've given to the Lord. Come on. So you mean to tell me that investing in the Lord is a better investment than the stock market? Yes. Do you mean to tell me that investing and giving to the church is a better investment than the real estate market in Raleigh, North Carolina? Yes. Even the 2019 market? (laughs) It is a better investment for us to steward what God has given us and for us to return back to him than any other earthly thing that would give us money. Because it's not just money that we receive, but it's the blessings of God, the favor and the blessings of God. Stewardship is not a one-time act. It's actually a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that we are to live. And here's where it starts. Giving. So turn to someone and say, I am a faithful steward. So what does that mean? It means I am a giver. Say it. I am a giver. John 3.16. You guys could all say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God gave. God gave the world. God gave his son. And us as believers, we are being transformed into his image constantly. Or we should be. If I am being discipled and transformed by God, and God is a giver, then I will be transformed and become a giver just like him. My heart expands to the generosity of his heart. I am being transformed into the likeness of him. And he is not a God that would withhold from his children. God's fist is not closed to us. God's fist is open to us. God's hand is open to us. And the more I give, the more I look like him. (laughs) The more I give him my time, my talents, my resources, my gifts, my spiritual gifts, the more I look like Jesus. He gave everything for us. He left everything for us. And on the other hand, the flesh, the old nature, is pretty stingy, (laughs) right? Before Christ, we were selfish, we were stingy, we only thought about ourselves. But now, in our minds, as they become renewed, the renewed mind wants to look like Jesus. The renewed mind says, I have an open hand. Everything is God's anyways. He's given it to me to steward. He's given it to me to serve the world. He's given it to me to be a blessing to others. I'm not going to withhold. I'm not going to close my fist. I'm going to have an open hand before him because it's his anyways. The unrenewed mind always defaults back to ungenerosity. 
always. When I think about with my kids, I don't withhold food from them (laughs) to punish them. Like, we serve a generous God, right? He doesn't ever punish us. He doesn't ever withhold from us. He always gives. But we can, we go back sometimes into a poverty mindset, into a lack mentality, into a scarcity, which scarcity means there's not enough to go around. I used to get really stressed about that as a kid. Like, truly, I would be in, like, a buffet line, and, like, there would be, like, a couple pieces of avocado, and I'd be way down the line, and I'd be like, there's not going to be enough for me by the time I get there. (laughs) (laughs) there's always one member of our family that took all the avocado but we have a phrase in our family called uh smith family hold back and it's like you hold back and let the guests go and then like you get whatever's left (laughs) just kidding no but um as born again believers we should be looking for opportunities to give we should be looking for opportunities to bless we should be looking for opportunities to serve and it's so it's It's hard sometimes because the modern day church, we have gotten so far removed from the original calling of what God intended for the church. And it's like, he's calling us back. He's calling us back. He's saying, the world says, focus on yourself. But I'm saying, look to me, look to my bride, look to my people, look to my church. Your schedule may be full, but there's sure room for you to squeeze in four hours of Netflix tonight. Why don't you just go to like... Why don't you squeeze in a person? Like, have face-to-face time. Bring them a meal. Be generous. Open your hearts. Open your homes. Like, let's get back into gathering together in people's homes. I want to shout out Deborah and Alan right here. Give a wave, everyone. Deborah and Alan, they invited Aaron and I last night, too. They hosted a Friendsgiving at their house. They, it was a potluck. There was tons of people there. They moved here less than a year ago, guys. And I was like, you guys have more friends than me. Like, you just moved here. <laughs> but their house was full. They, it was a, there was more than enough food. They set up, like, a, an outdoor movie for all the kids and everyone to enjoy. And it was just beautiful. And why I'm calling them out and shouting them out is because they moved here from Orlando last year. They didn't know anyone. And their house has been, this is the second time I've gone to their house and it's been full. They serve on our freedom team. They serve in our, um, our prayer ministry team. Like they, they've stuck in, they've stuck into community. I'm sure at a, at a cost sometimes and a sacrifice for their families, the trainings they've gone to, the things they've gone to, but they've opened up their hearts is what I'm saying. And they've stewarded what God has entrusted with them here in Raleigh. Let's give them a hand. Yeah. And now look at the community and the fruit of their lives. And I just want to shout that out because I was really blessed and honored um, yesterday. But that, the giver, the blesser, the server, that is the person that Jesus Christ has called us to become. And we are not just a new creation, guys, but we are kingdom citizens. We are kingdom citizens. We submit ourselves to a higher law. Yes, we are citizens, maybe some of us in this room, to the United States of America, or I have three citizenships, well, and four to the kingdom, but I'm a British citizen, Canadian, and American. And while I submit to the laws of the land of those places, I actually submit myself to a higher call and a higher law, and that is the kingdom, where I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and I serve one king, right? And as a kingdom citizen, citizen, my time, my stewardship, my finances are actually governed by kingdom law. 
And this is a good thing, okay? Because there is a spiritual law that God backs 24-7, 365 days a year, and that is the law of if you sow, you will reap. If you're, even if your circumstances look bleak, when you give, the giver returns back to you even more than you put in. Here's the thing about sowing a seed. When you sow a seed, you're always going to get back more harvest than you put in. If you, if you sow a kernel of corn and you plant that corn, when you pull out the fruit and the harvest of that corn, it's not just one kernel anymore. It's an entire corn cob or stock. See, I, I'm so far removed, guys. There's several of them on several stocks on this one stock. <laughs> from the one kernel that was sown, from the one seed. This is the law and the principle of the kingdom law. When you submit yourself to this kingdom law and say, I am going to be a generous sower, I'm going to sow seeds. I'm going, I'm a kingdom citizen who's participating in a kingdom law. And guess what? I get to reap the benefits of this kingdom law and this kingdom economy. And my finances are governed by this kingdom economy. And I'm going to reap more than I sow. (laughs) God activates a kingdom law that releases the work of God in my life. When we submit to that law, isn't that amazing? (laughs) Isn't that incredible? I double dare you to submit your finances to God. I have never met a person that says they regret tithing. Never. I have never met a person that says, I regret being generous and giving that. I've never met someone that says, I regret my time that I spent with that person. I've never met someone that regrets being generous with their lives. Never. You can come and tell me if you know otherwise. But I, I, I urge us and I charge us to submit that to God. And say, I am going to actually operate in this kingdom law. Because I want to receive also the benefits of this kingdom economy. Where when I sow, I also reap. And I reap more. God loves a cheerful giver. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits, that's the tithe, of all your produce. And then your barns will be filled to plenty. And your vats will be bursting with wine. I don't have a barn and I don't have vats, but I want that. All right. I want to be so (laughs) overflowing with the abundance of God as I return to him. And this is the amazing thing I love about this verse. It says, then it's, if you will do this, then I will do this. God is saying, if you do your part, I'm going to do my part. If you sow your first fruits, I'm going to overflow your vats. I'm going to overflow your barn. It's a, if you do this, then you do this. I do that with my kids. It's not when you do this, it's, or sorry, it's not if, it's when. It's when you do this, you're going to get to do this, okay? When you clean your room, then you can watch your show. See what I mean? And God's saying, when you do this, I'm going to do this. Duncan preached an amazing message back in September about tithing, so I'm not going to go on too long about tithing. But, But stewardship, I could not get away from this as I was preparing and studying. Stewardship starts with tithing. If you can't, if you cannot grasp the concept and the the principle of tithing, then you won't understand the rest of stewardship. It starts right here. Tithing 
is the first tenth of your income. The word tithe literally means one-tenth, okay? So that is the number, 10%, no matter what. It's the first tenth of your profits, incomes, or earning. Tithing is based on the understanding that he is the owner and I am the steward. I am not the owner. I am just the steward. And it's more about returning than it is giving. You cannot confess generosity when you tithe. You can only confess obedience. Tithing is not being generous. Tithing is being obedient. And God loves nothing more than obedience from us. More than any sacrifice we could give, more than anything, what he's asked of us is obedience. And so if you are not tithing in this place, and this is your local church, I want to challenge you. Test God, okay? Test God with that. Tithing is saying that which belongs to me, or God is saying that which belongs to me, you're giving it, you're returning it back to me. See, if I give Aaron a hundred dollar bill and then I come up to Aaron and I say, Hey, can I have that hundred dollar bill back? He's not being generous by giving it back to me because it was already mine in the first place. I just lent it to him. I entrusted it to him. And it's the same. God is saying, everything is mine. I'm giving it to you. And when you return back your first fruits to me, you're not being generous because it's already mine. And that's where, if you want to grow in being a faithful steward, it goes back to the beginning where I said unfaithful and faithful. If you want to be a faithful steward, you will return the 10% of your first fruits back to God because it's him. And that shows him that you believe and you trust that everything is his. In this kingdom law, (laughs) we as a new creation have a responsibility as part of our identity of a servant of God and a steward in his kingdom to return back to him what is his. Leviticus 27.30 says, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. See, the tithe here we see, it is actually holy. It is consecrated, set apart money. It's actually not for us to even touch because consecrated and set apart means it is set aside. It is set aside for him It is holy to the Lord's. And I'm all for being generous with people. I'm all for being generous with missionaries and giving to them. But the, if you want to get to, if you want to get back to the best possible biblical prescription of where your tithe belongs, it belongs to the storehouse. And we know that in the New Testament, the storehouse is your local church. So giving to a missionary, giving to a friend, that is not tithing. That is being generous and with an offering. Tithing is to your local church, to your local storehouse that you are a part of. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. There may be food in my house. And therefore, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. That's why what I was saying earlier is test God. Say to him, God, I'm going to commit to tithing to you for the next three months. And I want to hear the testimonies of what God will do in your life. Because I am that confident that God will richly bless you. I am that confident that when you say, I'm going to give to you, Lord, I'm going to return back to you. And you have that discipline and you test him. It's the only time in the whole Bible that God allows us to test him. The only time. So do it. What do you have to lose? Put him to the test. Won't he do it? I love that. Won't he do it? (laughs) 
So then what is an offering? So if a tithe is the tenth, an offering is something different. An offering is a free will, unlimited amount given by the giver with faith and with joy. We're not giving reluctantly. We're not giving because the preacher said to do so. We're not giving out of manipulation. We're not giving out of compulsion. We're giving joyfully out of obedience because I'm giving because you asked me to, Lord, and because I'm your son and your daughter. It is, there's more joy to be found in giving than receiving. It's so fun. And it's saying, God, thank you for allowing me to participate in what you're doing. So that's what, that, that's what we have coming up in two weeks is our, is our give. And there's no obligation. It's praying and asking God, God, what do you want to, what do you want me to give as a free will offering? It's not the tithe. It's the above and beyond. But God, how do you want me to partner in blessing you and blessing what you're doing in this earth and in this kingdom? My parents growing up, they gave, they gave us an allowance and then they gave us three jars, our tithe, our offering, and our savings. And from a little girl, we were instilled in this principle of we give first back to, we took a tenth of our allowance, put it in there. Then we would pray and ask God what we wanted to give in the offering. I love seeing some of the kids bringing their little orange jar that the kids ministry gives them because they do kids missions offerings in our kids ministry. We're teaching our kids about how to give, how to be generous, how to sow into the kingdom and the missions that God is doing across this earth and then our savings. But there's something about sowing a seed by faith into an area that you want to see breakthrough in. You know, maybe your friend is saving up for a down payment in a house, and you're also saving up. There's something incredibly fruitful about you saying by faith to God, God, I'm going to sow into their housing fund because I want to see you do that in my life. You're sowing a seed of faith into them. So guys, I don't want you to think that this morning I'm talking all about give, 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 okay? Stewardship is also about receiving. Come on. God doesn't need our money. He owns a thousand cattle on a hill. He doesn't need anything from us. But there's a joy in it when we partner with him and we begin to look like him. We reflect the image of God. Being a good steward is so much more than giving. It's also about receiving. We don't just... We don't just sow, we reap, and then we reap more than we sow. Stewardship, lastly, I'm going to end on this, is also a lifestyle of prospering. The old church used to call this flourishing. And I know that there's people across the world that are not necessarily in a place like their country or their circumstances or whatever. They're not necessarily flourishing financially. But I'm here to say it's more than just that. The promise is not just that we would flourish financially, but it's flourish in our souls, flourish in our families, flourish in our relationships, in our businesses, in all that we do. It's that overflow. God desires to give us abundantly more than enough so that we can be a blessing to the world. Bless with our, t- with our finances, bless them with our time, our talents. Say this, I am a faithful steward. I am a giver and I shall prosper I shall prosper. prosper. Last time, I shall prosper. Come on. Let's stand. I'm going to read these verses over you guys. Zechariah 8, 12. Come on, let's believe this. For there shall be a sowing of peace. The vine shall give its fruit and the ground shall give its produce and the heavens shall give their due. And it will cause a remnant of this people to possess all these things. 
Isaiah 30, 23. Come on, believe this. And he will give rain for the seed with which you sow to the ground and the bread and the produce of the ground, which will be rich and plenteous. In that day, your livestock will graze in large pastures. Come on. Ephesians 3, 20, 21. Believe this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Come on, guys. We need to believe. We don't, we don't doubt God with small faith and then reluctantly throw an offering at him. We believe that he is more than able to bless us. He is more than able to give us an, a miracle. He is more than able to put something in our hands. Come on, this morning, I want us to believe for a miracle, believe for our family, believe for our, that promotion we've been praying for, we've been asking for. As we partner with God and we step into all that he's given us and we acknowledge that he is the owner of our lives, he is the ruler of our lives, we get to step into the fruit of that kingdom with him. Thank you, Jesus, for the miracles that are going to break out. I pray, God, that we would hear testimony after testimony of people in this church family that have been ridiculously blessed by God, whether that was a miracle in buying a house that was impossible, Lord, whether that was a miracle that their, their marriages was on the brink of divorce and God came through and broke a miracle and the, the wounds in their heart that were holding them back from entering into relationship and covenant with their spouse, Lord, would be healed. We thank you, God, that you were blessing us richly in this church. I pray that we would have more than enough, Lord, to sow into your kingdom. We would have more than enough to bless the missionaries that have been sent from this house, Lord. I pray that we would partner with you, God. We believe for breakthrough this morning. We're not meant to just have a little bit. We're meant to have more than enough, Lord, to bless our families, to bless our children, to bless others. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I genuinely forgot before I got up here to do our giving slide, and now it feels like, oh man, she's putting up a giving slide, but I'm actually not going to apologize about it because there's something about us partnering with God in faith in a moment. And we just pl- prayed over everything that God has given us. And I really believe today that as we sow back to God what is his, as we return to him or we give in abundance over and beyond, that God really truly will open up the barns and the vats to us. So thank you, Jesus. We partner with you. We love you, Father. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.